it's a matter of putting yourself in new situations, looking at new opportunities, willing to be flexible, willing to understand what's appropriate, as you said, where your areas of expertise are, and starting to grab the straws. Hi, it's Diana Burnell O'Leary with another episode of Job Talk Weekly. While today's conversation addresses career challenges for people over 50, it has a lot of great advice for anyone who needs to pivot in their career. And I'd like to think it might help millennials and boomers understand each other just a bit more. Let's jump in. I'm talking to Gary Wexler, author, professor, former ad executive, and as he says, the general in the ageism battle against perceived irrelevancy. Hey, Gary, welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, Diana. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much, because we're going to talk about boomers and their careers. When I talk with job candidates in their 50s and their upper 50s, I find that they try to make themselves look younger. They drop a lot of work experience from their resume, and they try and look 15 years younger. And that just isn't really a good idea. And tell us why that's not a good idea. So for many reasons. First of all, Diana, I feel like I wrote the book on this story, and I did. First of all, you can't hide anything today. Anybody who is a good research person on the internet is going to find out absolutely everything about you, and they're going to know that you're trying to hide something, and then you're going to come across looking dishonest and disingenuine. So this is a day where every piece of information can be found out. So that's number one. Number two, though, there is a deep psychological issue going on here. We live in a society that praises youth and makes people think as they get older that they're incapable and irrelevant. And we need to stand up for our age rather than try to hide it. Because as I said, they're going to find out about it. And you're not going to get the job anyway when they find that out. So you need to take the other tactic, which is I'm going to be proud and I'm going to put this out there. The other thing is, is trying to pretend that you're younger is like the guy who's in his 50s who was still trying to stuff his body into the genes from his 30s. And he looks (laughs) looks absolutely ridiculous. Or on the dating apps when someone clicks on an app or they click on the page and they like the, the photo of the person and it's like 20 years younger. It's like their high school reunion headshot or something like that. And it's it's exactly. expectation failure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with putting your best foot forward. But how can we get people to really embrace their experience, embrace the, the maturity as a strength? First of all, let's go back. You need to own your reality. You cannot hide from your reality. And you need to be able to put it out there. That's the first thing. But here is the second thing, and this is the real challenge to people as they get older and where the responsibility sits upon them. You do indeed have to make change. Mm. You cannot be selling yourself the way that you always did, and you cannot be selling yourself on what you always did. You have to adapt to a new world. You've got to be reading everything. You've got to be able to be consuming culture so that you know what's going on in the world and understand. You've got to be listening to podcasts. You've got to be reading blogs. You've got to be reading new books that are coming up. You've got to talk to younger people. You've got to put yourself in what are for many people, uncomfortable situations because it means you need to crack the box 
that you have been in, and most people don't want to do that. And I like what you said about learning the social media, going to blogs, um, you know, tapping into other things. That doesn't mean that you have to be an expert at TikTok, but it needs you need to know what it is. That way, when you're in conversation, at least you're aware of it. So let me tell you something about this. You're 100% correct. Honesty is the best policy here. So I tell my students every semester at the beginning of the semester, and realize my students are master's students. Most of them are in their Mm -hmm. mid-20s, and some of them are a little little older, and they're digital natives for for the most part. I cannot pretend to be a digital native because at the age of... 69, nobody is going to believe that I'm a digital native. (laughs) And the other reality is, is it does take a lot of process in my brain to be able to do what they're doing, where for them, it's very natural. So I start out the class and I say to them, I'm 69 years old, which shocks a lot of them. And then I said to them, and I understand what social media needs to do what it can accomplish, how it needs to work. But I will never be as facile with it as you are. So I'm not the guy teaching you how to be able to mechanically work social media. But I am the guy who's going to teach you how to make social media work. Because what you folks need to learn is it's not just about pushing out information. It's about pushing out ideas of engagement that engage your audiences to take the actions you want them to take. Therefore, what I'm going to do is teach you folks how to create ideas of engagement that you can apply to the social media. Now, I have to understand the formats and what each of them does and how they actually work. But it doesn't mean that I have to be doing them because I'm never going to learn them the way that they do. Well, and I think that's the strategy that any job candidate at that age should pursue. Figure out how they're an expert, figure out their expertise, where they they can show that they can direct a strategy, and then they know how to deploy the people underneath them who can execute on that strategy. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And, you know, it's different standing up in front of a classroom where the students are beholden to the professor than it is for someone like me to go out and start trying to find a job. So I was a very successful consultant in both the nonprofit world and the business world um, until the recession of 2008, 2009. And Within months, my wonderful business absolutely crashed to nothing. A business I loved that I had been building and everything else. And I had to say to myself at that point, what do I do next? So, you know, a bit of panic sets in, a bit of all sorts of other things set in. And then I stopped. And I thought to myself, I just got to stop and think before I rush in because the world has changed around me. And I found out something else um, that was very shocking to me. As I was turning 60 years old, I created a blog called 60 Days Till 60. Mm. And every day for 60 days, I blogged about another issue of approaching the 60-year-old mark. And I ended up within 60 days with 10,000 readers. I mean, everybody was reading reading this thing. The problem was, and I wanted to show, hey, I'm relevant. See, I can use social media. I know how to do this. I know how to blog. I know how to all this stuff. But what I didn't anticipate was, of course, every, pot- every client and potential client were the ones that were reading my blog. 
And so when I would approach them to be able to pitch them for work, the first thing they said is, well, he's 60 years old. What Uh, does he know about all these new things? So I kind of defeated myself in the process, not that they weren't going to find out anyway. And I thought, well, that didn't work. So I had to devise other needs and other things that would start to work. So I started blogging about the issues of the nonprofit sector. And people started paying attention and hiring me for speaking, which was something different than I had done originally. And then USC called me and hired me to teach, which was something different than I had done. But Mm -hmm. I recognize, and this is the next thing, you have to be able to put yourself in new situations where your skills apply. And then you've got to critically think when you're in them Where are my points of possibility that I need to start developing out of this new situation? So I knew several things when I started teaching at USC. A lot of my students were from China. I thought, huh, China. China is this extraordinary emerging economy. They're going to have all sorts of needs and all sorts of people. The fact that I have all these Chinese students, while some of the language issues may be a challenge, What an extraordinary opportunity for me to be able to learn about Chinese people and learn intimately about what's going on in their society, because they're going to need someone like me who can who has experience. And sure enough, I I cultivated an extraordinary close relationship with my Chinese students because I was fascinated by them. USC, when they realized it, said, you know, the Shanghai Media Group's coming to campus. Can you teach them what you do in class about teen creativity? I said, yes, it was very successful. And Cal State Long Beach had an international training center for Chinese business delegations. They heard about it from some people and they hired me to work in their um, in, in, in this unit at Cal State Long Beach, being able to teach these Chinese business leaders who ended up bringing me to China to consult. I would have never imagined in 2008 when my business crashed that five years later I would be doing this. So it's a matter of putting yourself in new situations, looking at new opportunities, willing to be flexible, willing to understand what's appropriate, as you said, where your areas of expertise are, and starting to grab the straws and develop them. And I think that's what we tell all of our clients really is to be open. Even if you're 30 or if you're 50, if you're 60, you've got to be open to how people are knocking on your door and stop and think, okay, wait a minute, maybe there's something different here. Don't just take the first phone call at face value that that's where the relationship is going to go. It could evolve. And that's why you've got to stay connected to different groups. So I feel like people, if they're in that position where they're looking for a job or they think they might be soon, they've got to reach out and develop their networks, their association, their groups. So can you talk to us a little bit about especially how boomers uh, who are 60 or so can get connected to other generations, too? Yes. Okay. So you hit on the absolutely most important thing is developing your network because you get hired through your networks more than anything when people are your third party credibility and say, hey, I know this person. You should talk to this person, whatever it is. So how do you develop networks? First of all, you got to place yourself in situations where you're meeting new people. If you hang around with the same old people doing the same old stuff, you're not going to develop your network. The most challenging thing that I did in 2009 was there was an organization that I heard about in Santa Monica, I can't remember the name of it now, of all of these young 
tech entrepreneurs and other young entrepreneurs who were getting together every week to just talk. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I'm going. So I <laughs> Wait, the... set the scene. Okay, tell us about that day. Yes. So I walk in and I am the old man in the group, okay. clearly. And I can see that nobody's interested in talking to me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, it's okay. I'm going to hang out here every week for several weeks so that I can learn about these people and study them and begin to understand them, what they talk about, how they talk, what their issues are, so that I could begin to learn what it was. And I began to realize they were missing certain aspects of critical thinking. They were missing certain aspects of creating ideas, even though they were in an idea business. So it took me about four or five weeks when I started to chime into the conversations and they started to respond. And one of the other things that I also do, even till this day, every time I'm in a room, I do a scan. Mm. Who are the people in this room that I want to be meeting? Mm. Who are the people that can open up something from me? So there was a guy who was part of this group that they all revolved around. He was a guy in his early 40s. He was the big investor. He was the venture capital guy. So I thought to myself, you know, I need to know this guy. So I got to know him and I got to talk to him. And we created a relationship. But at that point, nothing happened. Two years later... I'm at a TED conference where I put myself as well, and he's speaking at the TED conference. And he's talking and he's showing PowerPoint slides, and they're not good. <laughs> oh, he was talking about the relationship between poker and venture capitalists, because he was an expert in both. Okay. It was fascinating. So my mind started to go, and I thought, okay. This is my chance. So I went up to him afterwards and I said, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Gary Wexler. And he looked at me and says, of course I remember you. You asked some of the best questions in the whatever group that was. And I thought, okay, great. I said to him, listen, I said, I am teaching at USC now. I said, I was looking at your presentation. I said, what you had to say was fabulous, but your presentation itself did not come up to the level of what you were speaking and how you were speaking. And he looks at me and he says, it's my biggest problem. He said, are you telling me you can help me? I said, absolutely. And I said, and I can actually bring in some of my students who are incredible designers while I, while I help you critically think this through. And we started to build a relationship that resulted in some very good business. So it's all sorts of different threads that you are pulling together and something may not may not evolve and crystallize at the moment you wanted to, but it may down the line when you see it. So you've got to be open to new ideas or everything. You've got to understand new ideas in society. You've got to create new ideas for yourself. And you've got to be able to know when to throw out an idea. Nobody listens. Nobody gets excited out of information when you throw it at them. But boy, do they get excited out of an idea. So you need to think as things are going on, what's the idea that I can engage people with right here that can get me to the next step and the next step and the next step? And let me tell you, Diana, one of the proudest things that I do today is I get hired by venture capital accelerators to train their young um, entrepreneurs who they're funding how to be able 
to think critically and creatively about communication. I'm almost 70 years old, <laughs> and I am relevant teaching these people where eight years ago, nine years ago, I had no idea. And these are all things that I've learned in the last, put it, taking my skills and putting them together over the last 10 years. See, but also look at what you did, Gary. When you talked to that guy at the conference, you were helping him solve a problem. So yep. if we talk about looking at that next idea or, you know, focused on your ideas, when you look at your resume and you're trying to present yourself or trying to figure out what your next step is, how can you help solve someone's problem? What are the problems that you're good at solving? And maybe look at it that way because everyone wants their problems solved and they want them solved fast. Right. And then they don't care who's solving it, whether it's a 25-year-old or a 65-year-old. So I think there's just different ways to approach your resume and your outreach and your, your career. It's not necessarily going to be linear. I think that's what you're saying, too. I mean, gone are the days right. where you get promoted from a manager to an AVP to a vice president. And it's not the same anymore. So you've got to zigzag. You've got to, you know, go up, go sideways, you know, go all around and just look at it a little bit differently and just look for those opportunities. Right. And I want to go back to networking. Yeah. So these are the ways you put yourself in new situations. You've got to create a new network. Um, because a lot of your old network is now thinking of you in an old way. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't let your old network know who you are and what you're doing because yeah. they may lead you to things, but you've also got to create a new network. I mean, networking is about creating new associations and new people and keeping up with them and putting yourself there. Look, the other thing that you want to do is you need to, people need to join organizations, I'm involved with a very progressive synagogue in a very creative place. I have met a ton of people through that. I'm involved in different kind of organizations in town. USC, I made sure when I started teaching there, I went around and so you know from working there, I knew everybody. Yeah. I went around and made sure that I got to know everybody. And at times it was uncomfortable, but I kept doing it. Um, wherever I am, I am constantly creating that network. And with my students, I have created a network and I keep up with them. Students from 10 years ago have hired me to do work with them. I continue to try to help them and mentor them in certain ways. And so that's a whole other network um, that goes on. So each thing you do has the potential of a network, but you've got to get yourself out there. If you don't get yourself out there, you're not going to do this. You've got to be a trailblazer at this age um, you can't be folded inside yourself thinking if you keep doing the same thing over and over, but just do it more and more and more, something's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Help us demystify the communication with the millennials, because I know you work with a lot of millennials. Yes. Whether they're your students or the people you work with. I feel like boomers and Gen X, you know, they're right next to each other. They've spent a lot of time together. I think sometimes people... I have a mystery about the millennials, but can you assure us and tell us a little bit about the conversations you've had with your college students about how they view boomers in the workplace or what their take is so that people who are boomers are a little less intimidated by the whole thing? All right. So let me demystify millennials right away. Okay. Millennials are, are just human beings like everybody else. Amen. Um, there is this fallacy in our society because we so prize youth that because they know technology, that they've got all the answers. They don't have the answers. Let yeah. me tell you, I have them in <laughs> class. Now, 
millennials, as I said, are just like everybody else. There are a few millennials who are very progressive, interesting, dynamic thinkers, like in any group. And then the rest of them are just like everybody else. So every millennial doesn't own a new way of thinking. They just follow the crowd. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to, to, to know that immediately. I see this in class all the time. And I try to explain to them. I said, you guys all think you're cool and hip right now because you're millennials. I said, the only way that you're going to remain cool and hip is if you know how to keep transitioning and making change and learning new things in the world. Yeah. I said, because in five years, you're going to be outdated. I cannot tell you, I've had students from 10 years ago who were hip and cool then who were telling me now that they feel like the world's passing them by already because things are moving so quickly. Um, so that's how quickly this all moves today. So that's the first thing you need to know about millennials. But secondarily, you need to understand what millennials are sensitive to and what they're not um, so that you don't come off sounding like an old fogey when you're talking to them. <laughs> and they say, you know, well, this guy's just stuck in an old world. Um, and you yourself have got to be authentic about the changes in the thinking that you're seeing. Look at there's two things you have to know. The world changed vastly over the last 10 years because of technology, yeah. um, and it changed everything. And now it's changing again because of the pandemic. Yeah. When we are finally released from this pandemic, we're going to be in a whole new world with all sorts of new constructs. And it's going to belong to people who can create new ideas for a new world, but I think also are grounded in serious experience. So I think there's going to be opportunity out there, but it's not going to be where you apply the way you've done things in the same way, never going to work any longer. One of the things that we talk about when you say using their network, they also have to think differently about their existing network. Let's face it, they have grandkids, they have nieces, they have neighbors who are younger, but they've had a relationship with them over the years that was based in the old reality that you, this was the elder statesman and this is the younger kid, this is the younger college kid. But now that kid is in the workforce and now you are looking for something different. They've got to change the way they approach those relationships with the younger people that have been in their lives for a long time. So I have an idea. Yeah. Okay. One of the wonderful things about this uh, pandemic is that we're all learning how to use Zoom. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we can gather people. Mm -hmm. What people need to do is they need to gather the younger people in their lives who are close to them. Get them on a Zoom call with you and put out there what you want to do and what your challenges are and let them respond to you and help you. Great ideas will come out of this. Yeah. So. It's a great way to be able to do this because your nieces and your nephews and your neighbors and your grandchildren and anybody else who knows you, if you say to them, I'm facing a challenge, you can really help me through this. I'm inviting you along with five other people who are younger that I trust to be able to put my challenge out there and talk about it and hear what you have to say about what you think I need to know and how I should be moving forward here. In the same time, what they're going to do is this will be a way of engaging them closer to you to say, hey, here's someone I think you should be talking to. Here's what you're doing. I need to talk to this person and tell them about you. Because if you just send them an email and say, I'm looking to develop a new network of other people you can introduce me to, they might do it. But if you engage them with you, they're going to be much more motivated to start trying to help you. Yeah. Um, and by the way, emails don't always work. I got to tell you, right. millennials and Gen Z, they don't look at their email. 
Nope, I gotta, sure don't. I, I have kids who can vouch for this. You can yeah. text them and get a Zoom call going or get whatever little Skype call you want to get going, right. but don't just rely on the email. But I, th- right. I think that's such a great idea because I have seen people in their 80s hopping onto Zoom. So if they can do it, you can do it too. Yeah, yeah. And it's think ideas of engagement in order to get things moving in certain ways. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're members of a community organization, you need to tell the people and say, you know, I'd like to engage some people here to help me think through something. Um, and usually people pretty much within communities will start to do this. Yeah. Um, and so there, and, and, and it's not like you have to start inviting people over for a barbecue and making hot dogs. It's, it's a, it's a Zoom can't. call. <laughs> Because you can't. But isn't this such a great reminder to all of us, whether you're 20 or 50 or 70, we always need to be learning. And we always need to keep our eyes and ears open to what's happening in our industry, to what's happening in the economy, because you never know when it's going to change, a la 2020. But this is just a life skill of always being able to learn, to pivot, to grow and stretch yourself, because that's really where the excitement comes from, too. Yep. 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 And you cannot dismiss younger people and say, oh, my God, they're wet behind the ears. They don't know what they're talking about um, because they feel that, too. And in a lot of cases, it's absolutely true. But yeah. don't ever say that. No, um, no. You, you know, yeah, exactly. You never yeah. would. And you don't want like we're both saying the millennials and the boomers are having the same issue. Don't tell me or don't treat me a certain way based right. on these assumptions. Right. And yeah. I think that's yeah. really that's really healthy. So I think getting out of your own mindset, talking to people, talking to younger people and putting on this different lens or just observe. I mean, it's kind of hard to observe now because we're all supposed to be home. But, you know, just kind of watch people. And, you know, I tell people also watch different TV shows, watch the content that they're watching. Do you guys ever talk about that in class? Absolutely. Yes. As a matter of fact, you know, I have to tell my students, even they're millennials, I have to say to them, or they're even younger, say, guys, You've got to be consuming culture to know what's going on in the world. The problem with most of them is, and I'll tell you an interesting story in a second, is curated content, and I'll explain this for your audience, curated content means the information that they get on their social media from people just like them. Mm. So they consume curated content. So they only know about the people who are like them and they don't know what's going on out there in the world. I cannot tell you how much in class when I bring up world issues, these are bright master students. They stare at me blankly because they have no idea what I'm talking about. That's an example of the news feed, right? Think of people watching just MSNBC or just Fox News and only getting one angle. Right. You want to be relevant out there in the world. You better know what's going on in the world and you better be passionate about the world. And show that connection. So yeah. be, be aware of what's happening. It doesn't mean, again, doesn't mean that you have to be a TikTok content producer, but no. you've got to be able to figure out how do your skill sets, how do your interests translate into solving somebody else's problem or how you can contribute. And I want to throw out a great example of Sheryl Sandberg who was hired to be, let's face it, the adult at Facebook many, many years ago. And then there was Uh a trend in the Silicon Valley for other startup companies, other tech companies saying, get me a Sheryl Sandberg. They wanted the mature voice of reason to work with a lot of these young startup people. Yep. Yep. There is a place for people. But it doesn't mean, folks, that that you're not fighting. It is a battle. 
It is a battle and you are in a battle that you have to be determined to win. Unfortunately, we have a very youth oriented society. And I know as soon as people look at me, they will dismiss me saying he's an old gray hair guy. And then when they start meeting me and talking to me, suddenly I'm shifting everything. But it takes a bit to do it. Um, but I want to say something else. You've got to be able also to identify the person that's not worth your time, that no matter what you do, how you stand on your head, they're <laughs> not going to be interested and just did not 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 waste your time with them. Yeah, which applies no matter, again, no matter what age, what generation right. you are. I want to say something else. Yeah. You want to deal with this battle, but the people you're talking to don't need to know you're in the battle. They that's don't want to sense that you're battling. And I just want to say something about the battle. Ageism, I realized when I got into my 60s, and by the way, it's very interesting. I was complaining that when I got in my 60s, I started being dismissed. And women said to me, well, you had 20 years more than we did because we start to get dismissed in our 40s. Or, or from day one. I mean, you could say that about generation. You can say that about racism. So, yeah, get in line, people. <laughs> I began to realize something. Ageism is the last celebrated and acceptable form of discrimination in our society where you have to be very sensitive to every other kind of group and everything, it is okay and perfectly permissible, no matter what group the people come from, if they're younger, to be able to dismiss age. I mean, look what's going on now, even in the political campaign, mm -hmm. when people talk about the candidates mm -hmm. and about their age. And I'm thinking to myself, it was, if it was any other quality about them, their mm -hmm. ethnicity, their religion, whatever it was, people would be horrified if people spoke about it in this way. But age is, is like a perfectly acceptable um, situation to go after and discriminate against in our society. And uh, now that I'm in this age group, I realize what an injustice that is. And it's even a stigma for the people approaching it. I mean, I've seen friends who are 50, maybe in their upper 40s, they get their first issue of AARP in the mail. They didn't ask for uh -huh. it. Somehow they found them and they're horrified. They will not take advantage of the senior discounts. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> Diana, I remember well, I remember being shocked. And I remember when I was able to start movie theaters, get the senior discount. And I thought, is this good or is this bad? Hey, it's you money know? in your pocket. You should take yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your 50s are a time where you're fighting it. Your 60s is where you start to take advantage of it. Good. Are there any yeah. other parting thoughts before we, we hang up, Gary, to leave people, to really have them thinking, positively, how they can embrace this, how they can move forward in a really positive way. Yes. Hold on. I'm going to do a commercial for my book. You have yeah, to sell do. yourself. Okay. okay? Um, it's called Sorry Millennials, We're Not Dead Yet by Gary Wexler. It's on Amazon. Um, so get the book because I wrote it when I started to experience all this um, and put out all sorts of ideas how to deal with all this. So that's it, Diana. I've loved doing this. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank yeah. you. Take care. All right. Great. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. So please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.